This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It's your favorite time of the week. That's right. It's your women's basketball podcast, ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I'm your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fabulous and fantastic producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we know that Tarika loves the Connecticut Sun, which probably means she loves the Connecticut Huskies. So she's happy today. I am and absolutely appalled at you. Oh, really? Because, Is that inaccurate? Because you should know that I am a Michigan State Spartans fan. Oh, I know you're a Michigan State fan, but that does not mean that you don't take to those Connecticut teams. Mm-mm. Don't even try it. Mm-mm. See, I am a, I am ashamed. No, <laughs> don't even y'all don't listen to her. Uh, but there was a big game this weekend, Sunday, four o'clock Eastern time. The best rivalry in women's college basketball, Notre Dame and UConn. Notre Dame comes in number one in the country, coming off of their national championship last year, which was just magical. UConn, sorry, that's AT&T. Um, in a little bit of what you may call rebuilding mode, having lost Kia Nurse, Gabby Williams, um, you know, some some big parts of what they do, their leadership. Um, but it was all Connecticut Huskies. And at times, they even made it look easy. And mm. on the show, just to give you a little bit of a rundown, we're going to bring in the ESPN analyst, basketball analyst, Brooke Weisbrode, Weisbrode um, to give us her thoughts because she was actually in South Bend for the big matchup. Um, and also we have some interviews that we did with Muffet McGraw and Arike Agumbawale that are now being released. And you'll want to hear those. Muffet... We talked a lot about women, honestly. You know, Muffet is one of those women in a leadership position who um, she gets a she gets a tough rep because she's serious and she is not necessarily warm and fuzzy. And you know what they say about women when um, they're focused and sometimes not as warm and inviting. So we're going to get into that conversation. Yeah, we're dipping into that. And also just in what she does for women as a leader. Uh, the women that w- leave her program are fantastic, um, and they use their voices. They make their mark in the world in various spaces. So we've got Muffet, and then, of course, Arike, who one of the juiciest things we talk about is Marina Mabry. They're kind of best friends. So we get into that. But anyway, this is not about the Irish at this moment, because it was all about UConn, and it was in particular about Kristen Williams. Amazing. Let me tell you about this lefty freshman. 28 points. 11 for 16 from the field. Came in just nasty. She has an arsenal of moves that you're just like, okay, can't do anything with that. How are you going to guard that? Mid-range, get to the rim, outside shot. Like, what do you want? She's serving it up. And came in unfazed, not even concerned about the environment. In fact, um, on the broadcast was um, our outstanding Final Four crew of Adam Amin, Kara Lawson, Rebecca Lobo, Holly Rowe, and there was a discussion about when is the last time a freshman did this in this matchup, in this big rivalry game. Um, here is our Holly Rowe with Kristen Williams, the biggest star after the game. So Kristen Williams, this is your first big college road game in your life. And very first or second possession of the game, you take it in 
into the basket hard. Why were you so unfazed by this atmosphere today? Well, my teammates and my coaching staff have amazing confidence in me, and that really encouraged me to do what I do. So, um, yeah, I was just really excited to be here today. Do you know how many points you scored today? I have no idea. Okay, what well, was a new career high, 28? Oh, wow. Wow, that's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. What does it mean to you to be so confident and feel so comfortable against a really good team like Notre Dame early in your career? Um, yeah, uh, I've dreamed of playing in this game. Um, so to finally be here is truly a blessing. Um, we worked really hard and since summer, and so we came out here and executed really well. I know you were a freshman. You were watching this game on TV last time they played in the Final Four. What does it mean to now be on the court participating in this rivalry? Again, I'm happy to be here, and I'm just happy to help my teammates. I wanted to win for the teammates of last year, so it was just means a lot to me to be able to win this game for them. All right. Where do you get that aggressive nature? That competitive beast is in there. I see it. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's just there. I don't know where you get it from. <laughs> I'm just really competitive. All right. Yeah. We saw that today. 28 points, new career high. Thank you. Thank you. Write her name down in your notebook. On your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror, Kristen Williams is that next big thing. She just is. She's from Arkansas. I mean, who do you know from Arkansas besides Tatia Messer? That was a big-time baller. Tweet us because I'd like to hear her. Um, She's got so much Southern charm when you listen to her in her interviews. And she has so much humility. How she's just so happy to be there. But that beast comes out on the court is totally different than the voice you hear in that interview. I mean, so sweet. Just very kind. I know. It's like, is this that same beast that was just dropping buckets on everybody's head? And she's like, I'm just happy I'm to, just be happy here. to be here. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so anyway, I'm getting, we're getting ready to break this down a little further with Brooke, but wanted to just, um, say whatever your thoughts are, you know where to find us. I am at LaChina Robinson on Twitter. Tarika's at she knows sports underscore. We are at around the rim pod all on Twitter, or you can also, Email us at around the rib podcast uh, at gmail.com. And one more thing I want to address one Blake Dudonis <laughs> who um, has a, an outstanding podcast. If you haven't checked it out, it's called the jump around not to be confused with around the rim, the jump around where Blake has basically interviewed any and everyone you could think about in women's basketball. I think this man has done so much work um, to bring exposure to our game, it's incredible. And I love Blake, but not yesterday because Blake never texts me, okay? Everybody knows that I said I thought Notre Dame was going to win. And eh, wah. Yes, I did. I feel like coming into that game, they were the best team in the country. UConn proved me wrong. Um, But anyway, Blake never texts me, but he, he texts me yesterday and says, hey, I think he said he was out somewhere. He said, hey, I'm just finishing something up. What happened? Really, Blake? You never text me, but you, 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 you know, he's like, oh, I see UConn won. What happened? <laughs> really? Okay. So you tweet me today, and I think you said something um, like you actually wanted to know my thoughts on the game, but I thought you were just running to my face. You were. So she ignores you, but then you realize that you've earned that reputation. Ah, uh, I don't have any reputation, <laughs> but I know, I know for a fact that you were trying to rub in that win. So you know what? I'm not going to respond to you on Twitter. We're going to find out if you listen to this podcast or not, because <laughs> this is where your answer is. I, I'm going to give you my thoughts. 
in a moment with Brooklyn Wisebro. So we hope you guys enjoyed this this episode of Around the Rim. At the end of the day, guys, listen, there was a high level of basketball played yesterday. A high, high level by two very good teams and by two outstanding coaches in their staffs. Like, that's the way women's basketball should be played. That's the way the crowd should be. Of course, we had a fantastic ESPN crew there. Um, Michelle Vopel was there. Check out her work on ESPNW. But without further delay, well, starting with the breakdown of the game and also on this podcast, you will hear from Muffet McGraw and Arike Agumbawale of Notre Dame. All right, basketball fans. Well, I am not able to break down all the ins and outs and nuances and all the things that happen in the big number one versus number two matchup. So I had to bring in some help and I'm excited to bring in one of my favorite colleagues at ESPN. Um, she was Big South Player of the Year at Coastal Carolina. She's in both Hall of Fames for the conference as well as at her school as a player. So she was a baller. Um, you may see her doing some work with WNBA kicks. She has the flyest kicks that you will see uh, from any broadcaster I know on this side. I mean, if somebody else want to come up through and, you know, and on the women's basketball side, don't because Brooks got it on lock. Um, let's see. She's been working at ESPN since 2004 um, and she's got the best hair. Like, I just love your hair. But anyway, please welcome Brooke Wisebro to the show. Brooke, did I say your last name right? Because I always wonder if I messed that up. I think it was pretty close. You, you went uh, uh, on a D with the S, but Weiss, Weiss Broad is close, close okay, enough. Weiss. And, you know, everybody messes it up. Don't worry about it. And it means white bread in German. Weiss Broad. I actually like that a little there bit better. Go. It gives you a little sizzle in between. Um, yeah. Brooke, welcome to Around the Rim. You've been on the show before, but it's been too long. So I'm glad that, um, I don't know. You popped up in my mind and in my text box. So that was a good thing for you to join the show. Yes, you were on here, right? I don't remember you being yeah, on I the think show. It's, I think it's been a few years, but yeah, it's good to be back. And I mean, man, congratulations to to you and, and just like the women's basketball community because it's, it's so much, there's so much momentum, not only behind this podcast, but really within the game. And uh, I've been talking to lots of people within even like the high school ranks, mm-hmm. the teams and some folks from Nike are really, really excited about the future of the women's game. So you've had a lot to do with, with making that happen with China. So oh, keep it girl, up. Oh, girl, please. You were doing yeah. this before I was. Now, you joined ESPN in 2004. I didn't get here in 2009. You were already carrying the women's game on your back. So, girl, look, congratulations to us, okay? But I'm so, sure. I'm so glad to have you on because you were actually in South Bend. Now, Number two, Connecticut at the time. Number one, Notre Dame. And this was a much anticipated matchup. The crowd looked amazing. Let me just say, like, the Fighting Irish will pile in. Like, they support their women's basketball. Muffin McGraw and her staff have done a fantastic job in just creating an exciting brand. She's been there forever, right? She's one of those coaches that's just been loyal. And um, people love coming to support the Irish. And who doesn't want to support a national champion? Now... The story, though, was the Yukon Huskies. Brooke, you were in the crowd. You were there. You felt the environment. What were just your observations of what happened um, in that game? Give us some of your big picture thoughts. Mm. I think you hit it, hit it on the head initially with the environment. And just shout out to 
the Notre Dame University just uh, a team, you know, everybody at the staff there and, and in the, within the building. And um, it just felt it felt so big that there was a moment where it was right before the tip where, you know, the fans, they were just it was loud. The music was going. You just felt this environment like, wow, the game has really risen to this this whole new level. And here we are, you know, in December, and it just felt like it was a national championship game. So fans came out in droves. I mean, I, I went to the game actually with uh, Devereaux Peters, former player at Notre Dame and uh, in the WNBA. And we, we got there, I think, about two hours or so ahead of time, and it was already packed. So you knew the fans were going to bring it, and especially with the rivalry like UConn and Notre Dame. I think the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the energy level that didn't quite translate um, to the Notre Dame team once the game started. Uh, UConn, to me, seemed to be a little bit sharper, a little bit faster, uh, 50-50 balls, offensive rebounds, uh, the speed of the game, especially the speed of, of the guards. I mean, Kristen Williams and Crystal Dangerfield are two of the fastest I think you might see in the game. And it was just interesting to watch Notre Dame battle back, get within you know, just a few buckets and feel the crowd you know, coming alive again and really trying to will them to get that next stop. And UConn wanted no part of that. Uh, it was it was amazing to watch them continue to take that wave from Notre Dame and not lose confidence and to not lose a step because it was like when one player, you know, Katie Lou didn't hit her first field goal until uh, 740 in the third quarter, yet she had six assists in the first half. And you had, you know, obviously the freshman Kristen Williams just step up and give a unbelievable performance. Found her way right in the middle of the lane, and it was like they just sliced up Notre Dame's defense, and little by little, they picked their will apart. And I think that's what we saw in the middle of the third quarter was Notre Dame starting to not be able to to execute the game plan fully. And you heard Muffet McGraw say in the post game that you know, the whole point was to try to get the ball down low. They had some size advantage and just didn't have the discipline to do it. Yeah, it was interesting because there were a lot of observations made during that game. Um, it felt like the story was building the entire time, right? Like, to me, the story was UConn's energy. Like, let's look at this from, from okay, a broader perspective. Like, Notre Dame comes in. They're number one in the country. They got four out of their five starters back. Their fifth starter is Breonna Turner, who, you know, is an All-American and just adds to what they can do, the dimensions of that team on both ends of the floor. So they come in as the heavy favorites, and they're at home. The question marks were all around Connecticut. It was like, okay, so no Kia Nurse, no Gabby Williams. Like, you know what I mean? You look at everything they lost last year, and you're like, okay, so what is this team going to be? And Gino has said even here on the podcast that, hey, I'm going to need Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou to step up. And what this was what I was thinking coming over here. It's so weird. In a game like that, you would think that a team wants to have more experience, right? Like you've been in these battles. You know how to get over the hump. Like you understand what it takes in a big matchup like that. Like you want to have your experienced players in the game. But Notre Dame was by far the most experienced. It was almost like they didn't have enough freshmen like Kristen Williams, who just came in with nothing to lose. I don't know about you, Brooke. But when I played, I felt like there was more pressure on me as a senior in those moments than I ever felt as a freshman. As a freshman, I always felt like, well, if I do something good, if not, oh, well, the seniors will take Mm -hmm. care of it, right? 
But, I mean, one thing that we've said about Notre Dame even going through last year's schedule was this team is tough. Like, when they get down, I don't even blink. Like, it probably – it wasn't until late, late, late in the fourth quarter when it was really out of reach for Notre Dame that I ever feel like it was really out of reach because they always seem tougher than the other team – um, you know, their mental toughness as far as, you know, the lack of errors and their connectivity. We didn't see that. Um, we saw a lot of isolation play. Um, we just didn't see the continuity. Now, Arike Agumbawale was fantastic, and we know her to be that. You know, Jess Shepard had, had her moments. I would have liked to see Jackie Young be more aggressive. To me, she could have done everything that Kristen Williams did yesterday and more. Why didn't she is the question. Now, she is you know, not a senior, and that's a, a senior-laden group that's been in the battles and, you know, have their roles. But she was the one player that I was like, okay, she's about to turn it on. Now, keep in mind that Marina is just coming back, right? So it, it's tough when your point guard is really still getting her conditioning and getting to where she needs to be for the team to be at the be- at her best because she was out with injury. Um, but what did you think about Notre Dame and watching them? I know you said the energy didn't translate, but what were you maybe waiting on to happen that never happened with them? There was no consistency in in their game plan because you, you knew they were trying to get the ball inside at first, and then it seemed like they were going away from that. And you had mentioned the isolation plays, and that's what stood out to me offensively was I think you saw the sense of urgency in a lot of players that felt like, hey, I, I have to do something, and not in a selfish way, but just trying to get some sparks going because you know, they wanted to take ownership of, of the game. But I'm looking at the box score right now, and Brianna Turner only took seven field goals, whereas <clears throat> every other starter took at least 13 shots. And there was, there was moments where, yeah, the ball would stick, and you just you kind of felt like, okay, this is just going to be an isolation shot. So then if we're able to read that, just sitting there on the sideline watching – you know, UConn is definitely going to be tuned into that, and they did a great job of, of boxing out and getting bored. So it was like Notre Dame's offense became uh, predictable in the sense that you, you felt these isolation plays coming on, and, and that's very rare for Notre Dame. You know, they're one of the best teams at keeping the basketball moving, uh, them themselves, the players moving without the ball, and, and then coming up with a you know awesome backdoor cut, something that just slices through the defense. And I think that's, that's where you saw – uh, the offense really start to kind of, you know, fall apart, I guess, for them was they stopped moving the ball around and instead each player felt that ownership to, to try to make something happen. Uh, you had mentioned Jackie Young getting more uh, involved offensively. I could feel Marina Mabry really wanted to get involved and she took six threes. She, she made one, but I think that was a shot that at one time they, they could have used and looked for because they needed something to to get those big moments. Like they kept missing the, the and one opportunities. Um, some of the, the buckets down low were, were, were mishandled. So you had some turnovers. It was just like, wait, who is this? This is, this is not typical Notre Dame basketball. And UConn was doing a great job of just bothering them down low. Uh, you know, I, I think a player for them, you know, besides the, the guards and, and Katie Lou, who did a great job, she came in off the bench, put in 16 minutes, Olivia, Olivia Nelson Adota. Yes. She did an awesome job, right? She's kind she of stayed in her lane. Yeah, she got some fouls, but great rebounds, positioning, defense. She's going to be a huge player for them. Yeah, I mean, you got to credit UConn's coaching staff. I mean, this team came in like they are 
midseason, maybe even conference tournament sharp, right? Like they could start the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament now the way they looked on somebody else's home court, which we know that's not going to happen. But they had a lot of questions that were answered. And here's something else. So, and I said that about Jackie Young. She played 40 minutes and she had 18 points, seven rebounds. Great line, right? She had, she was six for 14. I guess maybe I just think she's superwoman. Like I think in 40 minutes, Jackie Young can have 30, 35. Um, and, and I just think she's that good. I said that earlier mm-hmm. on the podcast that I just feel like upside in terms of her upside, she's Notre Dame's best player. Marina had to play 40 minutes. It's her conditioning at that point. Nah, eh, probably not. Right. Um, but even if Jackie could have stepped up defensively, I thought with, with whether it's Williams or in other places, um, 89 points, Connecticut scoring 89 points is, is a lot, you know, in my opinion for a Notre Dame team that is more talented offensively than they are defensively, but we've seen them play some tough defense. So, you know, all in all, we, in the inside attack, like you said, Brianna Turner is not the get the ball to post and turn and make a move kind of player. Like she's like a fast break transition. Like you want to feel her on the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. And that's really was the building story. Like I know the rebound margin from Connecticut was only five. But it felt bigger than that because every rebound, someone for Connecticut was there. Collier was a problem on the glass. Like, there's nothing, and we both played. Tariqa played too. Let me just throw that in there. I did. But there is nothing. <laughs> yeah, don't believe it, Tariqa. Come on. There is, <laughs> there is nothing like when a team is there every time you go get a rebound. Like, it's exhausting, right? You could never get a clean rebound. They're limiting you to one shot. And I just thought that that was that was where you really felt Connecticut was they wanted the possessions they wanted the fifty fifty balls more than Notre Dame did. And again, it's mm-hmm. the first time I can ever say that I felt like Notre Dame felt some kind of pressure. And I don't want to take anything away from Connecticut. Connecticut played a great job, a game. And I and again, give all the respect to Gino and his staff. Kristen Williams showing up and putting up twenty eight points like you are a G in my book for real. Mm-hmm. But Notre Dame just did not seem like they were mentally ready for that matchup. Um, so, Brooke, what do you take away from this? It's early. You know, obviously there's a lot of basketball to play. But what, what do you take away from both what you'll be looking for throughout the season from Notre Dame and Connecticut? Well, there is one more uh, point that I wanted to just hit on within the game that was just like a whoa moment was Katie Lou Samuelson's step back game. Like, oh, yeah. Can we... <laughs> Can we just acknowledge that? I mean, I know she had it before, okay. but I think okay. that was like Kobe. Yeah, I was like, whoa. She hit that okay, bench. definitely and been working on came, that. Yeah, she hit the bench, came back in, and was like a different person. Well, actually, once Nafisa Collier went to the bench, which I was like, I mean, UConn maintained that intensity with Collier, one of their best players, one of their best leaders, um, on the bench. And that's when Katie Lou was like, all right, it's up to me. And you're right. The, spec- <laughs> the step back game was nasty. She hit one from the baseline. And then she hit the one where she got fouled, like by Turner. I was like, this is getting ugly. This is getting real <laughs> ugly. It was crazy. Yeah, but wait, speaking of ugly, there was some talk on social media about, um, Arike and Gino getting into it. Like maybe they had some words during the game. I think Arike got a tech and then there was a point. In the like the line maybe afterwards that something seemed weird. Did you pick up on anything at all that stood out to you in, in that storyline? 
I was sitting opposite side of, of Notre Dame's bench, but I had a pretty good view of, you know, kind of what was transpiring, not actually what was being said. Uh, but there was definitely talk from uh, both Gino Ariema and Enrique, and, you know, obviously not being able to read what they were saying. Uh, you know, I didn't know what was going on at the time or if there was anything that was other than just, you know, just chatter back and forth. But with the official standing right there, she, you know, called the technical on Enrique. So, you know, you wonder what all was being said back and forth there to lead up to that point because, you know, Enrique is not, she's just not a player that, you know, goes off um, and, and puts her team in those kind of situations. So, you know, I'm just thinking from a player standpoint, if there's an emotional game like that, you know, if, if anybody says something to me, you know, especially from the other team, my senses are going to be heightened. So, yeah, I I don't know what exactly was said, but, you know, I know that there was um, definitely, you know, both parties that were talking and then it's just confusing because the technical technical got called and, you know, none of us knew what had happened. If she had, you know, said something to official about a call or, or whatnot, but yeah, it was definitely interesting. And then at the, uh, in the handshake line, it looked to me as though uh, Gino wanted to, to have an additional conversation with Enrique and Enrique was like, no, like I'm good. I'm just, I'm over this. I'm over this game. And, and his reaction seemed kind of surprised about that. And, and then of course in the post game, you know, Enrique had mentioned that, um, you know, Gino did say something and she felt like he baited her into um, talking back and, and wanting, you know, getting the technical after that. So, you know, I just don't really think that there should ever be conversations between, players and other coaches like it's just to me kind of inappropriate for either side to start that like stick with your team that's who you ride with you know you get met if, you, if you're a player and a coach starts talking to you they're just trying to get in your head you know give them right. a nice little smile and go take that out on the court because the only person that's going to lose in that situation is you and if you're a coach and there's a player that continues talking then you need to speak to an official or speak to the other coach like it's good drama, you know, for us and on our side, but trying to deal with that from either side of, of the team, like, it's just kind of, it's kind of ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'll say this. I've been around Arike quite a bit and she does not strike me. Now, if this was Marina, full go, trash talking. Okay. <laughs> Jersey, Jersey shows up to talk trash. I love that about her, her toughness. No question. Arike is, is, very unbothered. She doesn't do a ton of that, like talking or a bunch of, you know, she may react after she makes an and one, but it's to herself. She's not in people's face. She's not confrontational. She's just not even really a talker. Like even when you talk to her, she's going to give you what, you know, she's going to answer the question, but she's not just like saying stuff. You know what I mean? So, um, mm-hmm. that was, that's what kind of stood out to me about that situation. And, and, you know, I guess she went on to express herself in the, in the post game presser. Um, so Brooke, tell us what your schedule is like this year. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Because clearly, if it's been a couple of years since you've been on Around the Rim, that is Tarika's fault. Okay. So we won't let that <laughs> happen again. It we will not, not be a Tarika. full show if LaChina didn't throw me under the bus. Tar- Tarika. <laughs> <laughs> At least like two or three times. Uh, oh, that's awesome. We're going to have you, well, we're going to have you back on again soon. But yes, where can we Anytime. find you? What will you be doing? So uh, the next game I'm calling will be actually the men's game. 
Sunday at uh, 4.30 Eastern. It's Oregon State and St. Louis, which would be pretty good. Um, uh, St. Louis is now 6-1, uh, so they're actually having a really good start to the season. So that game is on ESPNU at uh, 4.30 Eastern. And Instagram would be the best. I always appreciate a, a follow there. You can find me at Brooke with an E, Weisbrod. I'll spell it and then remember it is white bread in German if you need to look it up. So it's W-E-I-S-B-R-O-D. We love it. Brooke, you are the best. Thank you so much for coming on. It w- it was perfect that you were actually in South Bend, especially with my girl Dev. Shout out to Dev. Um, we love you down and dirty with Dev. If you haven't checked out the work she's doing and it's got some other things in the works, um, but this worked out perfect. Thank you for taking the time to jump on and for all your insight. And, uh, we're going to have you back on soon. Cause Tariq is going to make sure we do. <clears throat> That's what's up. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, you guys. Keep doing care. your thing. All right, Brooke. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Fans, stay right where you are in the second half of the podcast. Third quarter, we have head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Muffet McGraw, um, talking about a potpourri of things. Um, wanted to get her thoughts as a woman, as a leader. Um, you won't want to miss that. And then in the fourth quarter, Arike Agumbawale, arguably the most exciting player in the game. Um, so smooth. You saw her on Ellen. You saw her hanging out with Kobe. Um, her stardom has gone through the roof since hitting Two, not one, but two major shots in the women's final four last year in Columbus. So please listen to those two interviews. Let us know your thoughts at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter, Around the Rim Podcast at gmail.com. But more important than that, wherever you get your podcast, we need you to download Around the Rim. First and foremost on the ESPN app, the listen tab, and then Wherever else you may listen to your podcast, just search us around the rim. We want to hear from you. Stay tuned. Second half after this. Well, fans, um, I was fortunate to begin my women's college basketball season where it ended. Um, I was in South Bend with the champs um, on their media day, spending time with one Coach Muffet McGraw, who is joining our show. Welcome, Coach. Thanks. Always a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for what you did with our team. They loved every minute of your advice was tremendous. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I'll say this. I didn't know that I could really add any value, okay, because you do (laughs) such a fantastic job with the women in your program. And that's where I want to start. You know, you are a role model for so many people, but especially women, how you carry yourself. Um, the fact that you have strived for excellence and you're a champion in every sense of the word, that you produce these women from your program who go out into the world and make us all better, right? Um, when did you kind of decide, and I don't know if there was one moment, but that in addition to being a basketball coach, that you wanted to groom women for the next steps in their life? You know, I, th- I think it was a process that, that came along, and I started to look at the women that I was coaching and thinking, you know, I need to talk to them about things that don't have anything to do with basketball. And you look around the world and you, you talk about women and, and their role and where's the leadership uh, around the country for women. And, you know, I start looking around our campus. Wh- who's the leader on campus and how do we get these women to have a voice and to know they have a voice and that it matters and that when they move on, I want them to continue to have that voice. And I'm so proud of what Skylar and Dev and some of the girls that are just speaking out right now for the WNBA. But um, you know, I, I think that we are so far behind. We, we've come 
a pretty good ways, but we have so much more to do. And as women, we need to unite, you know, and I think that's what the Me Too movement did. Time's up. I mean, there's so many things that are getting women together now. Finally, after all these years, women are protesting, they're marching, they're running for office in record numbers. And that's what I love to see. And that's that's why I love having my all-female staff. I, I think we counted 11 uh, in the country that have all-female staffs. And I think it's so important for our girls to be able to look up and see women in charge. You know, that was one of the biggest takeaways I thought after you guys won the Final Four is we kept seeing these images of your bench. And it was these four women, you know, you, Niel, Carol, Beth, and making amazing adjustments in a game and looking fantastic while doing it, but also showing intensity and also pushing, you know, your mm-hmm. team to achieve. And that image was so important, not just to women's basketball, but to the world abroad, because, you know, and no offense to the male coaches, um, you know, that, that coach women, but we're missing in that aspect as well. Like when you have a woman in charge that can show the players, like this is what you want to be and this is how you use your voice and this is what you're going to face. Some realistic things come along with that as right. well. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think it changes, especially at a time like this where we need those powerful images. Do you remember any points in your career or along the way where, um, and we all face this, right, working in male-dominated spaces where you, you realize that it was going to be a, more of a challenge for you than maybe a male who is in a similar position. You know, I think just looking at your team, I think that women expect a female head coach to to be a little bit different. I mean, I think in society, women are expected to have a certain role to play. So let's be sympathetic and empathetic. And, you know, you look at a guy talking to a, a group of women uh, who is on his team and they say things and I think, oh, my gosh, I would never, would never and could never say those kind of things because, you know, women expect men to be a certain way mm-hmm. and expect women to be a certain way. So I think right away you're you're kind of in a, in a little bit of a a, a bad position, yeah. you know, I, I think. And then you look at how the referees call the game and what they take from the male coaches and what they what they do for the women coaches. You look at mm-hmm. what happened to Serena yes. the, this summer, you know, and like women, we're not allowed to argue because we're women. Um we we have to toe a certain line, and you you got to be careful if you're crossing that line. You're you're too aggressive. You you get called different names. Mm-hmm. You're not outspoken. You know you get hysterical. You have a meltdown um, where men can argue and and be crazy, and and nobody says they lost Anything. it. Yeah, they yeah, they're yes. arguing for their team. He's passionate. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually thinking about you, and I, I'm I feel so fortunate because you know in in. It's come with the ups and downs. Like I remember interviewing you after a loss in a national championship and you you cried. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also remember it might have been final four. It, I also have been around you when you have just been laughing and, and, and having a wonderful time. And I've seen different side of you. But there are people who come up to me still and say, do you think it's OK if I go talk to Muffin? <laughs> yeah. Like and, and here's what I'll say about that is that. If there was a man who had, like, you have a very serious demeanor. You are very mm-hmm. focused. You are on your time. I mean, you're on point, right? Like, yeah. we know that about you when you come in. I'm like, listen, as soon as you see Muffet, this interview is over. Like, we need to be ready. And which is why you've had great success, because you are so good at being who you are. But it's amazing how differently people look at you versus if it was a man who wasn't as friendly and warm or if it was a man who wasn't as, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and so I appreciate that you are who you are unapologetically because you give us another view vision 
um, of what a woman can be, a successful woman can look like. Right. And and there's so many different types of yeah. what a successful man can look like. But for right. women, it's kind of been like you have to kind of be in this model. So, yeah, I, I think we we got to think outside the box. we got to we got to continue to chip away at the glass ceiling. You know, we just we, we have so far to go and we, uh, you know, we're going to get there. But this next generation, they're the ones that are going to get us there. And that's your generation. You're going to get us there. Ooh, let me tell you, <laughs> I, they need to be afraid because we're coming. I'm telling you, we are fired up. We've got a little bit of what you guys have started the foundation. But then now we've got social media. Yes. We've got all these other tools in our hands. We're like, all right, you know, time's up. Um, no, I thank you for that. And, and speaking of thinking outside the box, that's really what you did with your team last year. I mean, and I, God, I had the benefit of being with you in the regional and, and also covered you in the regular season and saw like the, the adjustments and all the changes that had to be made, but also the level of confidence. And I just, I wish for every culture that they could box up a little bit of what Notre Dame women's basketball did last year, because it didn't matter what stop you ran into, whether that was Louisville kicking your butts or, the injuries that ravished your 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 roster. I mean, all the different things. I mean, I remember Marina playing with a hand injury. I mean, you know, all those different things. But yet, but still, I mean, that would be my theme for you. But still, how do you build that get over the hump culture? No matter what, by yeah. all means. Yeah, you know, I've I've always had a pretty strong will, but that that I was tested. <laughs> I was really tested last year, and I think the adversity that we hit was. It was almost seemed insurmountable at times, and you wanted to just sit back and go, "Why us? Why? Why does this keep happening?" And you know, you can't do that because you had adversity in life all the time. There's bumps in the road throughout your whole life. You got to be able to handle it. And mental toughness is not something this generation is good at because their parents fix everything for them. They've never had that struggle. Uh, they've never had to overcome really adversity because the, the the smallest sign of it, somebody's fighting a battle for them. Yep. And so now they have to learn to fight it for themselves. And so we we learned a lot. I mean, the resilience, the resolve, this the the dedication and the commitment that no matter what. And, you know, our, our thing was like, what though the odds? That's our fight song. And I mean, what else can go wrong? You right. Know? But I we stuck to the plan. We are still trying to win a national championship. I mean, we are not changing our goals just because we don't have enough players. And I said, you only need five. And, you know, we had six. So we were, we were in great shape. So, yeah, it was um, it was an, an unbelievably challenging year. Well, it's interesting you say that because Sabrina Ionescu was just here from Oregon. Um, and you guys beat them to the advance of the Final Four. And she said, I said, well, what's, what are the challenges this year? And she says, we've only got nine players, but that didn't stop Notre Dame. So now <laughs> everybody's using that, right, as their mantra. But I, I will say, I've given this team, so every team has their own personality. Your team is what I call, I've titled them, unbothered right like they seem so unfazed like when I think back on your teams like where you had Ruth and Niel and those guys they had a warmth to them yeah. right yeah. Um, and not to say that they were any more caring but there was just a different type of character this team is not necessarily warm right <laughs> they're really like I said unbothered do you see some of that like Absolutely. how would you say the characteristic of this team exists in your eyes well you know people talk about family and you talk about sisters well I don't know if you have sisters but you know, you fight with your sisters. Yeah. And so when, when Enrique and Marina go at it, um, and like other people look, oh my God, like they're fighting among themselves. And it's like, no, they're fighting like sisters. They're roommates, they're best friends. And so they, they can do that and then still yeah. obviously play together. And I think our whole team is, you know, they follow Marina's lead a little bit and she's a, she's a Jersey girl. Yeah. She's feisty. 
and she's going to say what she thinks, and you better be able to take it. And that, and I think that's what one of them said one day. You got to be tough to play on this team. Oh, you got to be able to take it. Absolutely, and you know. Arike confirmed this. Marina first shared this to me, and I t- and I told her I didn't believe her. But she says, "I'm actually really sensitive," and you know, so she gives me this whole spill right when I'm up there, and I'm like, "Oh, really?" Because I already told her. I said, "Listen, every time there's a foul and you're in the area, I usually think it's you. Like yeah. you're physical, right? Yeah. You know what I mean?" So I'm like, "You're a bully. You're a bully." So she's like, "I'm actually really sensitive. You know, sometimes if coach says something to me in practice, like I'm like, you know." I get a little emotional and then Arike confirmed it. She said yeah. she's actually like, you know, she cares, she you know, she's got a yeah. big heart, but um, it, it was funny to hear her say that. She even told me, you know, I'm going to, I want to ask you about this. You know, we were thinking about the rotation last year and I was like, well, at least this year you'll get to get a break. And she's like, I don't want a break. I'm not coming off the floor. Right. She gives yeah. me that whole, but you do have more depth. It, it's crazy to think for what you lost. I mean, you add Bree back into the mix. Like, how's it been having so much yeah. more to work with this year? Well, it's been great having Bree back. I mean, Brianna Turner, I think, is just, she's an amazing player. She can do so many things we could never do before. I mean, we're throwing the ball up again. You know, we're yeah. throwing it up. Yeah. Go up and get it. Uh, she's rebounding and blocking shots and running the floor and, and just looking fantastic. So what a great addition to have her back. And, you know, there's a giant, um, it's almost a cliff between the starters and the and the other players because we got a lot of freshmen and they're just they're they're not anywhere close and you wouldn't expect them to be close to yeah. a team that's got some WNBA players at the top of it so that that's going to be difficult it's great to have the depth but it also does create problems last year the confidence that that my team had was a lot of it was because they knew they could make as many mistakes as they wanted they were not coming out of the game <laughs> yeah. uh, so really for them they love that so I, I think that they're definitely looking forward to having to play through mistakes again you know what it's like to come off of a national championship and what that is like. Have you thought about that? Like what that next year was like or things you learned, you know, and, and you didn't have this much coming back. Obviously right. the expectations were different, yeah. but how do you handle that with this team? Yeah, this, this is a little bit more of a challenge, I think, because, you know, you, you worry about complacency. You worry about, you know, everybody keeps talking about how many points we have back. I want to know how many points are we going to give up? Right. You know, that's yes. what I want to know. We don't want to outscore people. And that's our mindset right now. So we've got to get a defensive mindset. I think the last time it was, it was just a lot different. We, we graduated our best players, mm-hmm. you know, Neil and Ruth and Kelly. So I didn't have the, the confidence. I, you know, I, I don't think I believed that we were going to be good after that year. And that was a, a huge problem that I, I learned from that. So this year, I, I know I had definitely have more confidence in them, uh, what we have coming back. And I have a lot of confidence in the freshmen knowing I, I can see what you will be. Yeah. And even though if you can't see it right now, um, believe me, it's coming. So I have one thing, as Tarika told me, I have one more question I can ask. And this this is something I left South Bend thinking and reflecting on. And I want you to take this the right way. I I thought from what you've been able to accomplish when I went to your campus you were going to have the biggest staff I've ever seen and the greatest. I mean, I was, I was just thinking from a visual standpoint, I mean, you're building a beautiful practice facility, but I was like, oh, they're, they're just getting a practice facility. I know. Like <laughs> when I look at what, and I, again, I want you to take this the right way. When I look at what you've accomplished at Notre Dame, what people feel like they have to have to win and how you've been able to do it with, it, it, it not as much, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe not all the bells and whistles. Like everybody thinks they have to have this and that to win a national championship. And 
you have just done it with the basics, fundamentals, the basketball. I mean, you know, and tell me if I'm off in the way that I'm seeing that. But how have you done that without having this grand? Everybody thinks these days you have to have more, more, more. And I love that you guys don't have a, a, a huge shoot around every time. You know what I mean? Like those are the things where you have found a way to bring the basics and make them bigger. You know, I think in women's basketball, certainly when I start out, you always have to do more with less, you know. And so now uh, we just – that's just the way we like it. We have probably the smallest staff in terms of the uh, auxiliary people and the support staff. I know we have the smallest one in the ACC, so probably one of the smallest in the Big Five. And, you know, I, I've just got such capable people around me, and that's so important, your support staff, for all the coaches listening. That is the most important thing is who you hire, and you have to have the right people around you. But I never wanted the team to feel like they were too big for something. You know, in the summer, they do their own laundry. You know, I mean, you just have to take it down to the laundry. You don't have to have to actually wash it. But right. just the fact of them pushing the cart down the hall and, you know, depositing it where it needs to go and cleaning up the locker room after them. I mean, I, th- I think there are a lot of things that you have to expect. And I read a great book. Um, you know, it was about a soccer team. They call it football in Australia, the blacks, all blacks. They were the most successful program ever. And they talk about things like that. And some of the things they talked about, it's like, I call it that. I call it something different, but that's exactly what I think too. And they talk about sweeping out the shed and, you know, doing the th- little things like that. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, kids now, they they expect to be treated a certain way. And I, and I think you learn a heck of a lot more um, when you don't always give them everything. Wow. That's a mic drop for us. Ladies and gentlemen, Muffin McGraw, thank you so much as always. I enjoy my time with you. I enjoy mine with you, LaChina. Thank you. <laughs> Hope to see you soon. So there's usually like a cool off or a cool down period. Like something gets really hot and then eventually it's not anymore. But our next guest in my opinion, is still hot, like <laughs> smoking hot. Join me in welcoming Arike Agumbawale of Notre Dame to the show. Like I, I just watched, so I'm in a meeting yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. We have our um, college basketball meetings for uh, here at ESPN. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the clip, yeah. <laughs> right, of the final shot. And I, I, as soon as, like, I see it, I start to get chill bumps, mm-hmm. like, on my arm. And I realize that... I, like I'm still uh, so affected by that moment, mm-hmm. like I was the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like, are you over it? Because we're uh, we're not over it. I mean, like I don't really watch it like I did when it first happened. But anytime I get tagged in it, I'll probably watch it like ten times before I swipe through. Like every time I watch it, I'm just like, wow. Like that just goes to my head every time. I'm like, wow, that's just crazy. <laughs> and it was a great call by Adam. I mean, I mean, because at that point. I thought it was gutsy that he just said that you hit the shot to win the national championship because some people were unsure whether it went in in time and all this stuff, which to me, watching it back, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was definitely off. But, um, you know, that that call sticks with me in in my mind. And you look at what you guys have coming back. We're really adding pieces. Like, a lot of teams don't really get better after they win a national championship. Like, usually they'll graduate a lot of people or they'll lose some people. But, like, I really – I mean, I – People will probably say the same thing. Like, I really think we got better. Like, we didn't lose. We still have four re- starting returners, and we add Bree, who was an All-American before she got hurt. So, I mean, we're going to be pretty scary this year. And you're going to be able to get a break yeah. if you need it. Yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, definitely, because they can't really put a lot of pressure on me because we literally have four other people on the 
court that can be all Americans, like can score 30 on any given night. So it's going to be really tough for other defenders. What I love about this year team, though, because, you know, I, I was with you guys in the regional. Like, I kind of feel like I'm a little lucky Irish charm or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, um, you know, the thing about this team is how unbothered you guys are. Like, Definitely. you were unbothered by all the injuries in the short roster last year. Like, you're unbothered when you face adversity in a game. Um, it didn't matter who you guys were playing. You get behind, Muffet called timeout, and you come out and you take a 10-point lead. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Where does that come from? Where does that unbothered identity come from with your team? I mean, it's really credit to Notre Dame and the kind of players she recruits. Like, she sees it in us in high school. Like, she recruits people who are go after people, go at people's throats, and killer mentality I think you know it didn't matter who we had on the court like every single person had that killer mentality and especially myself and like Marina and you know players like that like we don't care who's in front of us like we'll never tell you that you can beat us like even if you might have a better record you might have a better player well I don't I wouldn't say that but you might have you know better record like I said but we don't care who's in front of us like we think we can beat anybody on the court and nobody can really tell us different I think that's really where our confidence comes from because we really treat ourselves like we're the best players. It may not be true to other people, but that's the kind of confidence we have, so that's how we play. And what's unique about that attitude is, you know, in this day and age, there's this whole be humble, you know what I'm saying? Like this whole be, you know, and and even with women and what they've tried to get us to do in the past Mm -hmm. is like, you know, women have to be more conservative. Don't yell, don't scream, don't Mm -hmm. do this. And you guys are very confident and you back it up every time. Like, you're not afraid. You know, sometimes people say, well, that'll come back and bite you when you, you know, you, you think you're cute. And y'all like, we cute and we're going to prove right. it and then we're going to move on. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's the part of it that I, I just love. Um, you mentioned Marina and I know you guys have a, a great relationship and she was thrusted into playing that point guard position last year. She's going to play point guard. You know, she'll mm-hmm. be right back in that situation. But it's interesting when I was talking to her, she was saying, because I say she's Jersey tough, right? Mm, like definitely. she's just you know, yeah. angry. Anytime yeah. she has contact with someone, I'm saying the foul's on her. Right? Like, I'm, just, I'm just automatically <laughs> saying like she's aggressive, like it's probably on her. <laughs> but then she was also saying that she actually is very sensitive. Like she was, oh I guess she God. gets, yeah. What What is that about? For her to talk so much stuff, she is one of those sensitive people I've ever met. Like she can talk so much to you. And if you say one thing to her, she's hurt for a week. Like if I say one thing to her, she literally is in her feelings for the whole day, the next day until we talk about it. I'm like, Marina, just get over it. Yeah. Yeah. She was saying in practice, I guess some of the younger players or somebody will say something to her and she's like, and I'm probably about to cry. And I was like, wait, you? <laughs> yeah. Not, not really the younger players, but if coach says something to her, like if I'll say something, like we were literally playing pickup and like we were going back and forth scoring. I said something to her. She was hurt the whole day. We went home, didn't want to talk to me. I'm like, okay, girl, I'll just wait till you get over it because I don't have time for this. I just couldn't believe that. I was like, you sensitive? No, she so sold sensitive. me on it, and now you're you're backing She's it so up. Sensitive. Um, but the pieces uh, of your team, I just it, it's it's fun to watch how everything has come together. And you mentioned Bree. And, you know, when I was at Notre Dame a couple weeks ago, I got to spend some time with you guys, which was just amazing. But she talked about her style and what she thought she could do. And she mentioned Natasha Howard, um, who was the most improved player in the WNBA this year, who plays um, for the Seattle Storm and just her ability to run the floor. How has she transformed the way you guys do things? Because, you know, you had Catherine Westbell and, you know, she was filling in whatever you guys needed, but now you have like a dynamic post that can get up and down the floor. Yeah, I mean, Bree needs to get touches, and that'll help everybody else on the court because once we get inside out, like, 
play or teams have to kind of sink in because Bree can score. Like I said, she can score thirty at any given any given night. So they're going to have to be help side with her, which relieves pressures from the guard. So she definitely needs the ball. And we like to run. We need posts that can run, and she loves to run the floor. She's quick. She's fast. She could be probably any post in the country. So. Just throw the ball out to her. That's an easy layup and transition. And she's going to help you guys in, in on the defensive end Definitely. too. But it seems like you're going to go back to the zone look um, <laughs> again this season. We be yeah. playing a lot of zone. Yeah, we might be playing a lot of zone. But if our help's not there, we might be playing a lot of man. So it just depends on <laughs> what we bring that day. But you know, hopefully we bring some good defense with her. It'll definitely be better. You did such a great job in, in that zone and the way that you guys were able to just create turnovers and wreak havoc like in a zone which is usually yeah. you know people find ways to pick a, pick it apart not that we have great shooting teams in women's basketball mm-hmm. I mean we do I mean you guys had to beat Oregon yeah um and did a fantastic job at doing that but one thing too that stands out to me when I when I'm with you and when I'm versus when I'm with other teams like number one is your shoot arounds are like I'll go to a shoot around for a team and they are like shooting and running up and down the floor sweating and going through things, and sweating and all that. You guys come in. I mean, there was one time in the ACC tournament, I think it was optional, okay, to come shoot around. Yeah. And you, you'll get some shots up. And, and even when, when Muffet makes a, adjustments or it's teaching you guys something, you don't necessarily have to go through it to understand it and to grasp it. Mm-hmm. What is that culture like of, hey, you know, we already know what we're going to do or – you know, we're not shooting around or this may be what most teams do. Like you guys just do a lot of things very differently in terms of your preparation and how you teach. I mean, cause I, she really prepares us in practice and especially ACC tournament, like, cause the times are really different. So it'll be like 8 a.m. So usually the guards go cause we'll do most of the shooting. So if you want, usually the guards have to go, but the posts are definitely optional. But you know, shoot around's pretty laid back, you know, away games and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think she just really trusts us and. Like if we one like the one unit does it, the other team watches it. If they see it, then they'll go through it once and then we'll move on. Like she does like to stick on things a lot, and once we get it, she'll just move on. So I think that's really you know good environment to have. And she, we just have confidence in the plays and that we're prepared for the moments. Yeah, you're so good at making adjustments. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yes, Muffet is a Hall of Fame coach, so <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm probably you know, I mean, it could it definitely is that simple. And then you've got you know the staff. I mean, yeah. Niel and and Co and you know the thing that I've enjoyed is just those relationships you guys have. Like Niel's so happy when you do something yeah. as if she was still playing the game, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and her having played at Notre Dame, I know she understands a lot of what you mm-hmm. guys are experiencing, and um, that's a fun dynamic to watch. So, how has the success that you have had changed your thoughts on what Arike can do? Like. Say you came into Notre Dame saying, okay, I can win a national championship. I can be this kind of player. But now even looking at the WNBA where you'll be headed, you know, like what do you feel like, how did this experience change your ceiling? I mean, just that I can keep getting better every year. Like freshman year, you know, got a little better sophomore year, got a little better junior year. And especially seeing like the pressure that I got last year and knowing that it's going to rise, there's definitely – I went into the summer focused on things that I needed to work on from this season because I knew it was only going to get harder. So I definitely had to try to perfect my weaknesses. So I definitely worked on that the most in the summer. So definitely just trying to elevate my game a little bit each year. After you finished the season like that, if that was me, this is where I this is why I was not Arike. <laughs> like y'all would have had to convince me that I had some things to work on. I'd have been <laughs> like, wait a minute, did, you, did y'all not just see that? Not just hear, like, what did you want me to get in the gym and do what? Um, what were you working on this summer? I'm just asking. 
definitely just moving without the ball and having people defend me really tight, like face guard. And like anytime I'm working out, I have face guard because that's really all they're going to be doing. I know I'm going to be getting a lot of pressure. So being able to shoot around pressure, get open, you know, getting fouled, handling the ball, just all different type of pressure things. I mean, there couldn't have been more pressure than there was on that final shot. But I trust you. I trust you. (laughs) That is the preparation you feel like you need. Um, All the fun things that you've done, one thing that stands out to me, I mean, you know, you were on Ellen. What's Ellen like? She's just like she is on the show. Like, it's somebody that you really watch the show and be like, I really want to meet her because she seems so down to earth and she really is. Like, she's just a really cool person to have her platform. Like, she's super down to earth. Okay, I was wondering because she looks so energetic and yeah, so fun. Yeah, I'm like, is, is she really like that? No, she is. Um, but you also won an ESPY and went on stage and you had a message for people about women's basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the next step I think about for you is like, you are this amazing player. People are all of a sudden like super obsessed with you, right? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, well, what's Arike's message? Mm-hmm. What is it that you are most passionate about outside of what you do on the court? I mean, especially after this year, I think it grew more. Just that, like, the platform that we have and the athletes that we have. Like, we had one of the best Final Fours that I think has nope. happened. It was in, the best. Yeah, ever. in women's <laughs> and men's basketball. Right. Like, it was way better than men's in this year. But, like, in general, like, two games went into overtime. Like, the margin of victory between all three games was, like, three, four points. Like, it was just super close games. And the whole season, really, we had such great games. And we have a lot of great athletes. And I think that showed how our team won over NBA game, NFL game. Like, people were really, like, we had all different type of people tweeting about it, messaging about it. Like, people who may not even watch women's basketball like that, but they got to see some of the Final Four. They're glued to the TV. Like, this is really exciting. So, definitely that. I mean, we're exciting sport to watch, and we're only getting better. And you brought a lot of fans to the game, <laughs> like a lot of fans to the game. And, and we just appreciate how brave you were. And, and Tariq is going to make me get off right now. But I have one <laughs> question, and I need you to think really hard about this. What did you eat that day? <laughs> it was a pre-game <laughs> meal. I mean, usually my regular pre-game meal, I eat buttered noodles or whatever pasta it is, some chicken and a little bit of vegetable and some fruit. Okay. So. I wrote that down. In a roll. Look, Definitely can't forget the bread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I can't eat bread right now. But, yeah, okay, you throw that on the menu, too. I could have actually asked, what did you eat in game one and game two? I mean, we need both of those, right? R.E.K., thank you so much. And just congratulations, and we'll be thank watching. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Fans, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Around the Rim. Make sure you are checking ESPN. Uh, w and ESPN.com for all of your women's basketball scoop, um, as well as Twitter. There's a lot of great people with blogs and doing fantastic things for the game like we've never seen it before. Tariq and I are going to bring back our spotlight fourth quarter so we can shine the light on some of the people that are doing amazing things um, to, to try to bring coverage and, and fans and bring all our women's basketball junkies everything they want. So if there are any problems with the podcast, tweet Tarika. If you loved it, tweet me. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye, fans. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.